This is the Chapel Real Estate Show, episode number 11. Welcome to the Chapel Real Estate Show, your source for the latest real estate information so you can buy, sell, and invest with the best in Texas. Whether you're a first-time buyer, a current homeowner, or a seasoned investor, you've come to the right place. We're here to simplify all things real estate so you can achieve your goals of property ownership with your hosts, Daniel and Roger Chapel. everybody and thank you for tuning in to the Chapel Real Estate Show, your source for the latest real estate information so that you can learn how to buy, sell, and invest with the best. I'm your host, Daniel Chapel, And I'm your co-host, Roger Chapel. So today we've got a very special guest for you, uh, somebody that's uh, a builder in the business, Mr. Jay Garrett. Uh, he is the owner and I guess CEO of, is it Garrett Solutions? Garrett Signature Homes. Garrett Signature Homes. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working with Garrett on a couple of uh, uh, Jay on a couple of different deals, and uh, uh, it's just fascinating to listen to what he's got to say. So I think our listeners are in for a big treat today. So Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How long you've been in the business? What got you into the business? And uh, and tell us how many homes you bought and sold. Well, you know, I don't really buy; I build. So, but I've been in since. Uh, 2011, been building houses, so did construction before that, uh, was a partner in Athens Park Homes uh, in Athens. We built manufactured homes, so, you know, I went from building uh, five homes a day to building, uh, you know, taking taking six months to build a house, so a little, <laughs> little bit different, a little change of gears, but, uh, you know, adapted. We sold Athens Park Homes to a, a major uh, home manufacturer, Champion Homes, so, uh, then I figured, man, man, give my, give, give a shot at building houses. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, how many homes would you say that you've built and sold then? Uh, since then, I probably around uh, 80. So we started out, you know, I started out, built a couple of spec houses to try to, you know, get my feet wet. And then uh, went into, we transformed into just being a custom builder. So right now I don't have any spec houses, just all custom. I kind of went in it thinking that, uh, you know, I wanted to be a little bit different than the standard builder. So we're a hundred percent custom. We can change any floor plan, modify anything, you know, kind of do whatever, the, you know, the customer really wants and uh, just try to do every house. Like I would do it if I was going to live there. Awesome. That's great. Oh man, especially nowadays where you're talking, most builders have shifted to a little bit more of a spec build. There's fewer and fewer custom builders out there. So I'm sure your services are really, uh, really needed and appreciated at a time like right now. Um, so what has your education been in terms of, I know you said you, you came from another builder uh, before you got into custom building yourself, but uh, as far as your education is concerned, what did you have to go through to be able to construct and build homes? Uh, well, in Texas, I didn't really have an education. You know, my, my grandfather was a was a home builder. My dad was a home builder. So when I was a kid, I was around, you know, a home builder all the time. Uh, never really imagined myself getting in that industry. I was always a car guy. Uh, you know, I had a, a passion for cars when I was a teenager and, and, and got in the car business. And then it just kind of evolved into, into doing construction. So um, just kind of weird the way I fell into to being a home builder, I guess, you know, some things are in your blood. Yeah. So I always think it, 
it's uh it's fun to kind of take a you know it's kind of like an old car you know you take an old car and you kind of get a vision for it and then you 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 build that car to your your vision and it i see a lot and i can you know picture a floor plan in my mind and a house in my mind on that lot and then you you build it so um it's kind of the same way it's 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 kind of like an art form. I'm not a very artistic person as far as, you know, drawing or, or that, you know, that aspect of it, but it is kind of an art form being able to, to have a vision in your mind and making it happen. Absolutely. Not only that, but making your client's vision come true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And going over that vision with them and, and, and creating that, uh, the ability to kind of show them what you're thinking and, and listening to them and getting an idea of what they want. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of collabor collaboration that goes into that. And, uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got a personality defect. I'm, I'm brutally honest. So, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes that's a detriment, but, uh, but, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my clients, you know, they, they, you know, they're from different parts of the country and they have different things in different parts of the country. I had a client one time that, you know, I'm a real positive guy. And I had a client that asked me, you know, he wanted a, he wanted lightning rods on his house and he wanted, I mean, he wanted all this weird stuff that, you know, he's from New York. And I'm like, no, we don't do that here. And, and, and you don't need it. We do it, but you know, ground block, you know, you, I just, I was just like, no, 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 no. And all this crazy stuff. And then when I, I met with him and his wife, you know, and they had looked at a bunch of my house and I said, Hey man, I want you to know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a negative guy. I'm just, you know, I'm just telling you no on all this stuff. Cause you don't, you don't need all this stuff. He goes, Oh no, that's why we hired you. We knew you know, we, we want to be told what, you know, what goes on. And, you know, so many times you, you walk in a house that, you know, you see houses for sale and you just see all this stupid stuff and you go, why? Yeah, people just waste money on these stupid ideas. So I try to try to steer my, you know, it's their house. I'll do whatever they want, but I try to steer them in a direction of, you know, you think that you're building your forever house, but you're really only going to be here about seven or eight years. So let's try to let's try to build this for you. And let's also try to build this for the next person that's going to live here. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> well, um, I mean, thanks for the introduction. That's great to give a little bit of background and let our listeners understand where you come from and, and how you got into this business to see what kind of value you're going to bring to them today. Um, so let's kind of take a shift really quick and dive into the Chapel Chunk. So, Dad, what is today's Chapel Chunk? So the best thing, uh, and I actually stole this from uh, Jake Garrett about two minutes ago, is very simple. The buyers need to know what they want. So, uh, and uh, Jay, I couldn't agree with you more. We've had conversations about this in the past where the buyers come in and they, you know, the common phrase is all buyers are liars. I disagree with that. I think buyers think they know what they want until they find what they want. So they have in their mind, okay, I want 2,500 square foot house on this and that and the other until they find, you know, the 4,300 square foot house sitting on 14 acres in the middle of nowhere. So it's never the exact vision they have. It's always completely different. But when you're doing a custom home, you really do need to know what you want. So take the time, figure it out before you actually draw up the plans. Because once those plans are drawn up and the material starts getting order, that's the end of the day. It's, that's what you're getting now. So you really do need to understand and know what you want before you uh, actually proceed with it. Definitely. That is a great tip. Um, so 
moving into the episode, let's go ahead and start talking about what the build process looks like. So, um, Jay, what we kind of like to do is walk, you know, walk people through the process as if they were, you know, going through the build process themselves. So let's assume we're working with a client. Um, they've just gotten started into the process and they've um, located a lot that they're interested in. So um, what is the next step for them to, to building the home? Well, they need to start out with a, a floor plan, you know, say on a custom, a custom home, they've got their lot. We need to look at a floor plan. And then we also need to look at, a, at doing a site plan where we can determine where their house is gonna go, where their septic's gonna go, if it needs a well, maybe it has a water meter, but if it needs a well, where the well's gonna go. Um, and if we're gonna do a well house, uh, try to get the layout, the best place for the house, you know, where it's not in a hit, you know, not in a low spot, on a high spot, and then start with the, uh, the floor plan design, uh, somebody comes to me, we hook them up with our designer, try to get an idea of, of what they're looking for, because we, you know, we built a lot of houses, not just houses that are, you know, our stock plans on our website. So we may have something that fits their needs. And then maybe we can move a wall, you know, stretch it, do, you know, make it fit for them. And uh, then we flip them over to a finance company, get the interim financing. And we've got two finance companies that we work a lot with, Thrive Mortgage and uh, our bank. And uh, Thrive Mortgage is pretty unique. They've got a package that uh, a program where you can, if you have a house and you've got a lot of equity in your house, a lot of people think, well, you know, I've got, you know, 100,000 in equity, but I can't afford to, you know, to put another 100,000 down on a house right now. They've got a program where you can keep your house and they take that equity into account when they're doing your interim financing loan. And then once you move into your new house, they give you six months to sell your old house. So very unique program. It works really well for the people that have the equity in the house, but not, you know, the 20% to put down on a, you know, on an interim financing construction loan. Yeah. So Jay, real quick, um, you mentioned that you work with two lenders and uh, to be honest, I didn't know this until I started working with you. Uh, and then I understood why the process is the way it is. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, if I came to you and I'm, I've got my own lender, uh, but it's not either Thrive or our bank, uh, what does that do for you as the builder, uh, as far as uh, lending and the financing side of that is concerned? Well, a lot, of, a lot of people don't understand interim construction financing. So even a lot of realtors don't have any idea what it is. So basically it's, you know, the person getting a loan, you know, to finance the house. And the reason any other bank, and we're signed, we're signed up with other banks as well uh, for interim construction. Uh, those are just our two preferred lenders. But if they have their own bank, and they wanted us to do it right now. It just, you know, we're, we're going to steer you to our bank or, or thrive because um, it's a much easier process for us. If you wanted to use your own lender, it would require me to, uh, to fill out, you know, hours worth of paperwork to get signed up on their program. So they, they have all this paperwork. They, they, you know, they, the, basically it's like me getting a loan as well as the client getting a loan because they have to sign me up as one of their, you know, preferred, you know, I've, I've got to be a vendor for them. So I've got to go through the, the whole approval process as well. And we're just too, too busy right now to have time to be able to, you know, 
fill out all that paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, when, when we, you and I first started talking about that, I too was ignorant of that process. Uh, I mean, I've sold a bunch of homes and this is the first time that I've done a custom home like this where they actually had to get interim financing and I didn't understand the process either. So uh, I appreciate you walking me through all of that because it was an education, not just for me, but for my buyers as well. But now that we've got all that figured out, now I know exactly what to do and believe it or not, it makes it much easier to, to, to sell your product when uh, I'm talking with folks. So uh, again, thank yeah, you I for think that. We, yeah, we've got several of your clients, Roger. Uh, uh, I think I think you've got clients at, at our bank and at Thrive. So I That's think we correct. kind of hit, and it's a good it's a good deal for you know it works. Both of those banks are, are are a little bit different, and it you know they work for the majority of of people out there. The combination of those two uh, financing sources. Yeah, that's correct. So you already mentioned the designing uh, aspect of it. So now uh, we've got the loan. Uh, approved, I guess. So basically what people don't understand is interim financing means there are two separate closings. The first closing is on the construction loan itself. The second closing is after the home is completed and you actually move into the home. But there's a whole lot that goes on in the meantime. And just without getting too deep into the, the loan process, I just want people to understand that the construction loan is an interest only loan. So during that the time that the house is being built, uh, you're paying only the interest on the money that is borrowed not on the entire amount, just on what's borrowed. So if the builder goes in and pulls $100,000, then uh, you're paying the interest on $100,000, not on the complete $500,000 you may have borrowed. Now, with all of that said, uh, now we've got the loan approved and we're ready to start construction of the house. You mentioned before that they've already gone to a design team. So what happens now? Is, is it now when we do the foundation or what, what's the process in that now? Yeah, once once the loan is closed, you know you, you have to go close the, the interim loan at a title company, and do all of the paperwork, um, and the and they will provide us with a draw form, so that'll have everything. I mean, there's about sixty items listed on draw forms. Some banks have their own draw forms, um, so what that then the first thing is we start on the dirt work, get it ready, get the the forms up. Uh, get the rough plumbing in, in and then get the steel in and then get the foundation forward. And that's the first, you know, couple of steps of that process. It's not as easy as just going out there and putting some boards on and, and pouring concrete because all of your rough plumbing has to be in. So there's, there's a quite a lot that gets, gets done before the foundation gets poured. And that whole process takes minimum, you know, 30 days to do to get your, you know, with the rough plumbing, scheduling the plumber, then you have to get the electrician out there to put the floor plugs in and run the, the power, you know, uh, runs the chases for your islands and all that stuff uh, and put your UFO uh, ground block in um, for your electric. So you've got to have a, a plumber and electrician out there. Um, the plumber comes out there and runs all of your, your sewer lines and then also the water lines that go to like your island and all your places that they can't get to. And then, uh, then you put all your rough steel in there, electrician comes out and a plumber has to come out and remeasure because all of those pipes that you don't see, they go inside your walls. So the plumber has got to be spot on on their measurements uh, when the forms are up to make sure all of those vent pipes for your toilet, all of your sinks, all that stuff goes inside of the walls. 
So it's really a tough job for the plumbers because I mean they can't be a quarter of an inch off because that the wall sits right on top of where their pipes go. So that's kind of the first so process I, is that foundation. I think too, this is one of the times, uh, you know, a lot of buyers, they get really anxious in this time frame because they know that they've submitted all their documents to the lender. They're ready to sign and rock and roll. They think everything is great. Then they drive out to the site and there's been nothing done. It's just leveled. I mean, some trees may have been taken out, but that's it. Nothing has happened. And then all of a sudden they have this, this form that's going up and they're like, okay, so where's the concrete? They don't realize that, like you just said, the plumbing and the electrical and all that that goes actually in the foundation and how precise those measurements have to be. Because, you know, electrical, I think maybe they can miss it off just a little bit, but that plumbing cannot. I mean, absolutely, it has to be spot on uh, for exactly what you're saying. Now, when it comes to electri electrical, a lot of that goes through the, 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 the walls and everything. But still, they've got to have their, their stuff together. So I think this is the part of the process that seems like it takes the longest. But once that foundation is completed, it seems like all of a sudden, boom, there's a house. You want to walk us through the, the next part of this? Absolutely. Yeah, that and, and the yeah, once you get that foundation and, and it does take time because you're, you know, you're not only scheduling a, you know, with the foundation, you know, you, you've got to have a you schedule your plumber. You've got to schedule your electrician. You've got to schedule your concrete guy. Then for just for concrete, you've got to schedule your pump. You've got to schedule your concrete and, you know, all of those. And you have to have great weather. So all of those things combined. I mean, just, you know, it, it is absolutely insane. And especially with with the construction right now, you may have, uh, you know, you may have everything lined up and the concrete company calls the day before and they say, hey, we're we're out of concrete. You know, we're out of cement, the cement mix. And right now we're starting to see a little bit of a, a cement shortage, you know, thanks to COVID. So, you know, there's so many different aspects that go into having to pour that foundation. And, you know, it's just such a relief when you get that foundation poured And The foundation is actually, you know, that's 20% of the house right there is your foundation. So once you get that done, it, it rolls pretty good after that. You get the framing, you get your first framing drop scheduled, you get your framers uh, scheduled and you get that, you know, then the, the walls start going up. And then, you know, once you get your walls up, you do your ceiling joist, your roof rafters, um, then you get the decking on, you get your cornice on and, uh, and you're really rolling from that point, you start to see a house going up. So that's when it really starts to rock and roll. And then after the, you know, after you get the, the cornice and the decking up, you can schedule your plumber to come back for your stack out. And what that means is they come in and they start uh, putting all of your, we're going to where your shower heads are going to go, your faucets are going to go, all of your plumbing that goes, you know, in the framing. And you get the stack out done and you get your mechanical done, your, your AC people come in, start running the AC lines, uh, vent fans for the bathrooms. Um, they get all that going and then your uh, electrician comes in and starts doing all his rough wiring. So that's, uh, you know, that's when you're really rolling right there. Yeah, man. So you, so you've tapped into quite a few different areas. Um, we already kind of talked about the lending aspect of things, but I'm curious, you know, with so many different phases of construction, how do you go about um, determining what the budget is going to be for each of these phases as you kind of move your way into the final stages of the home? Well, the budget's done, you know, way early on in the process. So, you know, you, we, you take the plan normally and you can send a plan out to your, your subs and get, 
you know, get numbers on it. Now in this environment, you know, it, it is changing drastically, you know, with, with, I mean, COVID has really changed our whole industry. Um, the, all the shortages, uh, cost, you know, it's supply and demand. So, you know, we've got a large building demand and, and with factories shutting down with not being able to, you know, have a hundred percent workforce, um, it's really affecting our, our supply chain. So we yeah. took a house that would take, you know, five to six months to build is taking, you know, 10 months to build. You just never know what, what the next thing, what the next shortage is going to be. So, I mean, you know, uh, we've had it from breakers to, you know, junction boxes, uh, cement shortage. I mean, I don't know if you guys have noticed by that. I mean, you know, we're having a hard time buying diesel. So, you know, at a gas station, you, you know, so we're having, you know, fuel shortages right now. It's just insane. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, times. That, that's something you wouldn't even really think about. But yeah, I mean, logistically, you got to have the fuel to get stuff places. So absolutely. Yeah. Lumber <laughs> shortages. I mean, OSB is, you know, $38 a sheet right now. It was, it was $8 a year ago. So it's just, wow. it's, you know, it's just crazy. Uh, for the listener, Jay, can you explain what OSB is? Uh, it's oriented strand board. It's basically like a, a, we use it like a plywood, like we would plywood. Comes in four by eight sheets. It's used for the sheathing on the house and the roof deck. Gotcha. So it's not your standard uh, uh, plywood. This is something a little bit different than plywood, correct? Yes, it's a little bit different than plywood. Okay. Yeah, but so that gives our listeners simple. a little bit of an idea. Yeah, yeah. At one point, and plywood, it was it was an it was a less expensive option for plywood because plywood was really expensive. Um, so what they uh, and then actually recently we just we did a house. Uh, we're building two houses on Lake LBJ, and there was a point where plywood was actually cheaper than OSB. So we we decked we decked one of the houses with uh, with half inch plywood instead of OSB because of, wow. you know, it was, it, the, the plywood was cheaper. Yeah. Are there different budgets for interior landscaping and those types of things? So kind of wanted to break up the budget into what different sections, I guess, and how you determine those budgets. Oh yeah. As far as budget goes, and we're a little bit different type of builder, you know, we do everything uh, is cost plus. So we line item price everything. So every single item is is line item priced on our bid sheet. So uh, you know we've got a budget for every single thing, from the foundation to the um, the electrical, plumbing, AC, uh, the tile, your landscaping, you know everything, granite. Um, so we have a budget for every single line item. So okay, that's. So so that kind of leads me into the next question is how, when, when you're, you know, obviously the build process takes some time. So when you're getting under contract or when you're beginning the build process, how do you know how much that price could potentially change by the time you get to the closing table? You know, as you mentioned with supply and demand and shortages and different supplies and things of that nature, costs are fluctuating very frequently. So um, when you're getting the process started, how do you know more or less how much the home could increase in value or, or, not necessarily value, but what it's going to cost you at the closing table. Well, you know, we, we get a, we have a, a budget we start with and those are prices at that time. And then as we go, you know, they, they could change. We will have to do a couple of change orders depending on the, what the customer wants. 
but then there's things we can't control, you know, like the lumber cost, um, which is, you know, extremely volatile right now. So once we do your lumber packages, we just have to, you know, make an adjustment on that. Um, could go, uh, you know, recently it's gone up. It could possibly go, go down. We've had it where, you know, we bid a house out and at the end of the deal, you know, the customer we're, you know, ten eleven thousand dollars short. So we can we can add the landscaping. We don't we don't have to close on the exact amount. We don't have to draw the exact amount that they borrow for. So once they convert their their final loan, you know, go to yeah. the, you know, converting to their thirty year fixed loan. Gotcha. Okay. So Jay, throughout the building process, I know that there are several inspections that take place. Uh, so if you would kind of walk us through uh, some of those inspections and at what point they actually occur. Well, there's different, every, every uh, city that you build in has different, um, you know, different ways that they do it. So there's normally a foundation pre-pour inspection. There is a, uh, we call it an FEMP. So framing, electrical, mechanical, and plumbing inspection that happens. Some, uh, some cities require a insulation inspection. So after you insulate, you, they inspect, and then some have a drywall inspection. So after you, you insulate, then you get the drywall up, then they come and inspect that. And then you've got your, uh, then you've got your final inspection. Some people have the air pressure inspections where they come and they test your house uh, with the air to make sure no air is leaking. So every, every you know, municipality is a little bit different. Uh, if you're building out in the county, there's a lot less inspections. So, you know, we have to have a, a like out in Williamson County and Mesa Vista where we're building a lot now. Um, the only inspection we have to have out there is uh, the septic inspection. So it just varies so depending on your building. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So let me ask you this. Uh, do you welcome third-party inspections once the house is completed? Absolutely. Yeah, you can do a third-party inspection if our customer wants to inspection. And, and they can also uh, get with an inspection company and they'll, uh, they'll do inspections as we go through the build process. So they can do a framing inspection, electrical inspection, you know, plumbing, mechanical. Uh, there's independent inspect inspectors out there that do those inspections as well. So if uh, an inspection turns up some deficiencies in various areas, uh, does the buyer just simply turn that inspection report over to you or your construction manager or how does that work? Yes, sir. They just, they just email it over to us uh, and it gets taken care of. Pretty, you know, very simple process. So for our listeners, and I, I can't drive this home enough because I've heard many uh, conversations about this. When it comes to third-party inspections, I always recommend to my buyers that they have this done uh, so that, uh, and, and if usually, you know, a lot of builders will offer a one-year warranty bumper to bumper. It doesn't matter what goes wrong in that first year. Most builders will take care of that. So typically I tell my buyers throughout the process, uh, and it depends on where the house is too. So if you have a house that's in the city limits and it's going through several different inspections, it's probably not worth it to do the inspection along the way probably worth it to just do it at the 10 month interval. 
However, when a house is actually built in a county, especially Williamson County, and like you, I know the only inspection they require in the county is on the septic, nothing else. So I recommend to my buyers that once the house is done is to go ahead and have it inspected and then turn that over to the, to the builder so they can correct any deficiencies. And it's never ceased to amaze me how many things get discovered that had it not been for that inspection would have never been discovered. And a lot of times the builder is not happy with what they see, because typically it means that a subcontractor somewhere either tried to take a shortcut or maybe we all have make mistakes on occasion. Uh, sometimes it's just a mistake that pops up or sometimes the material is deficient. Like I remember on one, uh, the window, one of the windows was was off. I don't remember exactly how it was off, but the, the deficiency was the window itself and it was still installed. So those kinds of things, you know, the third party inspection will turn those up. And to me, it's always a telltale sign with the builder uh, as to whether or not how they'll accept those inspections. So uh, your answer is spot on with what I expect uh, with the builders that I recommend and refer to my, my clients. So I appreciate that answer. That was really good. Yeah, it never hurts to have another set of eyes uh, on a project. You know, we're there looking at the project as, as you go through the whole thing. And then, you know, there, there could easily be something that, that you just missed. So it always helps to have a, uh, another set of eyes on it. Um, I've got no problem with, with getting that, getting those inspections at, uh, and, you know, and sometimes inspectors, you know, they'll write up every little thing that's, you know, that's, that's really nothing, but, um, but yeah, absolutely. It's, it's always good to, to you know, have a little bit of, uh, uh, somebody checking on stuff just in case you miss something. Yep. I agree. Absolutely. I agree. It speaks to the reputation too of the builder. So, uh, I mean, when you are able to do that and you get it done, that just speaks volumes for the quality of product that you uh, are producing and the pride that's behind the work as well. So, uh, you know, I, I think buyers can see some true value in that. Yeah. We had a, we had a, a client from Pennsylvania that, that we built. It was actually a spec house and they came in and they did an inspection and, uh, and they had a bad, I think they were maybe, uh, had had a house in Ohio, uh, previously and, and they, they just had a, you know, it was just a terrible house and they came down here and they did and they fell in love with the house. They, you know, we made an offer weeks after they do the inspection report and the inspector had about, you know, 15 things on the list. And, you know, and she was like almost in tears, like, Oh my God, another, we have another house. that has got all these issues you know, what is, what does this mean? You know, is this, is this just a bad house? And the inspector laughed and he said, no, this is, this is just, this is one of the better built houses. We, you know, we see you're, we can tell that, you know, all the subs took pride in their work. This is, this is nothing. There's, you know, it's just minor stuff. Don't worry about it. <laughs> They'll have this done in 15 minutes. It's all good. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, right, Danny, um, we got to wrap up. Yeah, no, I saw. Um, <clears throat> well, Jay, uh, I think that pretty much covers everything that we had written down. Or do you have any kind of closing thoughts before we get into our final five questions for our listeners to get to know you? Uh, yeah, well, just one thing, you know, we that, that we do, a lot of builders don't do it. And, and it really kind of didn't come into a, a, under a microscope until this recent cold spell is all of our houses that we build or have spray foam insulation. So that means with a typical home with fiberglass insula insulation, the insulation in the attic goes right on top of the ceiling, you know, to try to keep all the, the, the air in your, you know, right in your house. With spray foam, 
they spray foam under the roof. So the, the attic, the ceiling of your house has no insulation on it. It's all in the, in the, up in the, you know, on the underside of the roof. Well, that really came into play with this cold spell because of all the water lines that are run up, you know, in the ceiling that are, you know, basically exposed to elements when you get to the kind of cold spell we had. So I had several customers just out of the blue, you know, three customers one day texted me and said, thank you very much for, you know, building our house with spray foam because our neighbor's houses are falling apart and we have zero issues. Yeah. So yeah. It's a, and I imagine that made a huge difference, especially, I mean, I don't know, I haven't heard too many cases in the Austin area, but I know in Houston, I mean, so many houses that had leaks spring in the attic and, you know, it's not something that is standard in our area or that we ever really expect to need, but I'm sure you like you said, your clients appreciated having it. So, oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah. um, let's go ahead and move into our, uh, our get to know you questions. So we've got a few questions. I don't think you've heard them before. Um, so hopefully we don't catch you off guard too much, but, uh, Jay, what was the first concert that you ever saw? First concert I ever saw, Kiss, nineteen eighty six. Nice. That was probably a pretty cool show. It was really awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, what is your favorite hobby or hobbies? Uh, I enjoy uh, ATVing, so do a lot of uh, you know. I've got several four wheelers and and two side by sides. That's pretty cool. Um, who is the most memorable person that you've ever met? The most memorable person I've ever met. Uh, man, that's a tough one. Um, man, I'm trying to think. Besides me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> man, I think about that. That's an extremely tough too. question. Yeah, let's, 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 let's. Let's follow back up on that. Let me think about it for a second. Go to the next one. Okay, circle back. Uh, so what is the most exotic place that you've ever visited? Bora Bora. Bora Bora. How was that? Been there Been there twice. Oh, it's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. It's really cool. They got a good deal. You know, the scuba diving's good. Fishing is great. Caught a blue marlin one time there. And uh, uh, yeah, I was scuba diving one time there. And I'm, I'm looking at all the fish and there was just eel coming out. Really cool uh more a eel and i was kind of looking at the you know all of a sudden this it just got dark i'm like what the heck you know i mean you know I'm, I'm 30 feet underwater and it just gets and i look up and there's this huge ray right on top of me just i'm you know a foot from me just checking out what i'm doing wow. it's really really yeah really cool that's a it's a very cool island so that sounds like an yeah. awesome experience um and what is the best way for our listeners to reach you jay uh cell phone 512-626-0208 you may call anytime and i can attest to that so the way jay and i met is i was actually looking at some lots for one of my clients and i drove out through uh the neighborhood and i'm looking around and i see all these different signs and i'd already looked on mls and i'm trying to figure out who these builders are and whatnot because these are builders that i was unfamiliar with so I reached up and called uh, the number and Jay answered it. 
So uh, I was actually quite surprised. It's not often you get the owner of the company answer his phone to talk to you about lots that he has for sale with these properties. So that is an absolute fact. <laughs> awesome. Yes, sir. And let's go ahead and circle back. So who is the most memorable person you think you've ever met? Uh, man, that is tough. You know, I would have to say my dad was the most memorable person I ever met. That's you know, good. Well, follow-up question. What's the best piece of advice he ever gave you? The best piece of advice he ever gave me was do not argue. He said the dumbest, the only person dumber than a know-it-all is the, the person that tries to argue with him. That, that is some good wisdom right there. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jay, we want to thank you very much for taking the time to join us on the show today and thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Hopefully we were able to provide you with some good information and, uh, you know, again, tune into us every week, leave us some reviews, let us know what you want to hear about next. We love to keep providing great content for you guys. So thanks again for tuning into the Chapel Real Estate Show and we will see you next week. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us this week on the Chapel Real Estate Show. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and leave us a review. Find us on social media at Chapel Realty Group and online at chapelrealtygroup.com. Until next time.